Welcome to Agriculture in North Carolina. Happy New Year, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. This program is all about the largest industry in our state, agriculture. Another year has come and gone. If you're old enough, you may have heard a certain young pea picker named Tennessee Ernie Ford singing the lyrics from 16 Tons, another year older and deeper in debt. 2024 will not be a great year to carry a balance on short-term money. Rates are higher than they've been in a dog's life. And for all the soft landing talk, it doesn't look like there'll be much relief in the year ahead. On this week's show, Jeff Turner and I look back at the 2023 headlines that affected farming in North Carolina. Then later in the show, a conversation with Evan Davis, the North Carolina Farmland Preservation Director. Ag and NC is made possible by Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Find links to those folks on our website, agandnc.com. Coming up in just a moment, we'll catch up with Jeff Turner. That's just ahead on Ag and NC. Bill Carone Cars and Wallace is the only Chevy GM dealer in Eastern Carolina to be an Ag Pack dealer, which means any farmer who buys a vehicle at Bill Carone is eligible for more than $30,000 in savings on products you probably already use. Everything from crop products to tires. Check out the advantages of the Ag Pack program at Bill Carone Cars and Wallace or online at Bill Carone GM at BillCaroneGM.com. Jeff Turner is the COO of Murphy Family Ventures and member of the North Carolina Board of Ag and co-host on this year's program. Happy New Year, Jeff. Welcome to 2024. Happy New Year to you, Dan. It's uh, it's a, a, another year. It's hard to believe that 2024 is already here. I, it seems like I just closed out 2022 and 23 is just a blur. You know, Father Time continues to march on and, and I woke up on the right side of the grass this morning. That's a good thing. I would say that it's going to take me a while to get used to writing 2024 on checks, but in all sincerity, I probably wrote less than two dozen checks in 2023 as a whole. The whole economic system has changed as far as spending money and cash. And Do you carry cash in your wallet? You probably do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> now, I have two sons that, for whatever reason, never have any cash. I, I, <laughs> that's a totally different thing. That's a totally... <laughs> My dad, years ago, gave us, all of us boys, $2 bills. So I always have $2 to my name, if nothing else. I remember the first folding money I had, I, I, I insisted that I buy a billfold. And when I got finished buying the billfold, I had no money to put in it. So <laughs> Today's program is recorded. But as we look back at 2023 uh, and some of the things that affected farming, Two notes as far as North Carolina was concerned, still both major issues, in fact, probably some of the largest issues in agriculture in our state. And let's look at them both, Jeff, one of which is the hard surfaces back west flooding down east, and then the second one, which is the disappearance of farmland in North Carolina. Now, legislature put some money together, as they do every year, to be able to set some farmland aside and buy the rights so that it doesn't get lost to housing developments. Uh, and in 2023, North Carolina had over, well, let's just call it 140,000 new people move in to the state. And that's significant. And, in fact, uh, what I'm, again, the projection is, is, I mean, there's millions of acres of farmland in North Carolina that's going to disappear. 
uh, instead of growing corn or soybeans or sweet potatoes or whatever, it's gonna we're growing houses, and that's great. But you got to have a balance. I think it's a huge threat to our state's number one industry will be threatened by by urban sprawl, and, and it's happening. You know, as a farmer or a farm farmland owner, you're sitting there. You got to make a decision: Am I gonna am I gonna keep rolling the dice and farming, or am I gonna take this land and sell it, and I'll I'll make more on the interest than I'll make in three years of farming? So it's a tough deal, and and putting that money aside to help folks put conservation easements on their farm to preserve that uh, farmland is an important thing, I think, to North Carolina, and hopefully, hopefully will continue to preserve farmland. NC FarmLink helps encourage folks who have farms, sell them to folks who want to be farmers. I actually was on that site yesterday, and there are not that many farms for sale. There are no large-scale farms for sale, most of which are all west of Raleigh. The sad thing is, is even for folks who want to get into the farming industry, it's not exactly easy to do. And to your point, Jeff, we are the third fastest-growing state in the United States by people, We're actually the fifth fastest growing by percentage in the United States. And the surprising thing, folks are moving out of California, maybe not surprising. Folks are moving to Texas, Florida, and North Carolina. It was 140,000 people. Just that's a, you know, that's a lot of folks coming into our state. And, and that's a good thing in, in one sense, but in another sense, uh, it's, it's detrimental, I think. We don't have a city in eastern North Carolina of 140,000 in population with the exception of Wilmington. So that'll give yep. you just an idea of how many people that is. Absolutely. Let's talk about flooding. Now, there's been a little movement here, and uh, Commissioner Troxler is always fond of saying, for reservoirs and flooding, this is something we should have done 10 years ago, and it's something we do now. It's going to see 10 years before the payoff really starts. How how do we go about mitigating flooding in the east? Is it dredging of our rivers? Is it finding some cropland somewhere? off of the tar, off the noose to be able to back up water and slow it down. The odd thing about flooding in eastern North Carolina is, is we know it's coming days ahead of time. It's a slow-moving train crash that's about to take place. That's what happens. You see it coming, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. The train is moving too fast, and it's slowly getting there, and you just have to watch, get out of the way, and watch. That's all you can do when, when the flood water's coming. You know, last two weeks ago, uh, we had all that rain uh, west of us, and the creeks are swollen, and the continue is high, the noose is high, Cape, northeast Cape Fear is high, and it was just one rain event. All those hard surfaces you know, that we've created with highways and, and rooftops are detrimental and cause a problem if we can figure out how to farm water, if you will, so you can have some places that you can back water up into and, and, and hold it in place for a bit to slow it down. You know, if you go back and look at the rules that are in place today for building a home on the coastline where you can actually see the ocean or you can see the sound, you can only have a certain percentage of your of your building lot mm-hmm. that is impervious. So you just think about the, how backwards that rule is. You gotta have all those things in place to build on a sand lot looking at the water, <laughs> looking at the ocean. It's true. But I go a hundred miles to the west of me and it, you don't have that same requirement. And all that water that's gonna run off has got to get back down to where that sand, that sand lot is. How 
foolish how utterly backwards that is. We'll take a quick break on Ag and Sea. Be right back with Jeff Turner and myself. Thanks in part to the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, Got to BNC, North Carolina's official business development and marketing program for agriculture. More than agriculture, it's Got to BNC. This is Talk 96.3 and 103.7. I'm Dan Miller, joined by my co-host, Jeff Turner. We're taking a look at the headlines that made news in 2023. Good folks in Raleigh got a farm bill to the finish line. Not something the folks at the federal level did. The federal farm bill that never happened, and hopefully they'll figure that out. The, the, the good folks in Raleigh, led by Brent Jackson and, and Jimmy Dixon, they do a good job every two years at trying to put something together that's favorable to, again, the, the biggest industry in our state. And if we kind of look back, there were, there were a lot of good things in that bill, but probably one of the things that we talk about a lot on this show is WOTUS. You know, we got a good ruling from the Supreme Court on WOTUS that rolled back some stupidity, idiocy of what was taking place inside the North Carolina Farm Bill. It basically codified that we can't have legislation with regard to WOTUS that would be any more stricter than what the federal guideline is. So to me, that's a big deal, and uh, it affects a lot of farmers, uh, a lot of landowners, and I'm real pleased with that. I want to look ahead into the upcoming year. We're taking uh, some of the things we saw in 2023 to look ahead for 2024. I think this is going to be one of the hot-button issues for farming this year, and that is the EPA banning pesticides and herbicides that are and have been part of the farmer's toolbox for years. It all boils down to one thing when you start dealing with the environmentalist. They make a claim, and they put everybody on notice, if you don't do something about this, we're going to sue you. And so you look at it, and you can't, you know, we've been doing this for years. Why all of a sudden is a problem? And so here comes the lawsuit. They sue EPA and the chemical companies, but normally they sue the government. The government decides, well, let's just... Since we've been sued, let's get in the back room and we'll settle this. And normally the folks who are involved that's going to get pinched, so to speak, the chemical manufacturer and the farmer, are not in the room for the settlement. you got a bunch of lawyers that's doing the suing, and you got a bunch of folks in government that's never planted one hill of corn or applied one ounce of chemical deciding what's going to happen to that poor old farmer out there. That's how our system works today. It's unfortunate. Friend of the program we've had on, Ray Starling, who is uh, head of the ag portion of the North Carolina Chamber of Commerce. They have put together a town forum to include David Rouser and Don Davis, our representatives from uh, the eastern part of the state. It comes up on January the 10th. This is at 7 p.m. They'll be recording the episodes, and I think there's Zoom links because this is virtual as well. But that's something to search for, and you'll find it. I really encourage you to be uh, to be part of the program. That is, uh, you can go on the North Carolina Chamber of Commerce's website and find out more about that. Yep, it's going to be a good program. I, Ray Ray and his folks are doing a good job again, trying to bring to light the, again the sensitivity and the needs and the planning into the future for agriculture in our state. So I'm, my hat's off to Ray. He's a good man. Hey, coming up, we'll see you. First of February. That's the Thursday at the Southern Farm Show. 
And uh, Commissioner Troxler will be on with us, and uh, Henry Hinton will be having his Talk of the Town program there, and some other uh, some other dignitaries. I think, actually, Ray might be stopping by as well at that event. And we're looking forward to being there. You're listening to Ag and NC on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Thanks in part to Ag Carolina Farm Credit, financing rural North Carolina for generations, lending solutions for farms, land, homes, all personalized for you. Ag Carolina Farm Credit, giving you room to grow. Coming up, Jeff and I are joined by Evan Davis, the North Carolina Farmland Preservation Director, right after this. Thanks in part to Donna Byram with First Choice Insurance Partners. Call Donna at 252-792-1189. Let her protect your yield so you can stay in the field. We're chatting with Evan Davis, who's the Director of the North Carolina Ag Department's Farmland Preservation Trust. If you can kind of give us an overview of what the mission is and how it got started. The Farmland Preservation Division's mission is to preserve working farms and forests throughout North Carolina. And the primary program inside the division is the Agricultural Development and Farmland Preservation Trust Fund. Uh, it is a grant-making entity, and it seeks to support North Carolina's agricultural economy by providing those grants to county governments and nonprofit organizations for conservation easements, agricultural development projects, and agricultural plans. Commissioner C. Troxler, this is one of his top priorities, and he started the trust fund in 2005, right when he came into office. As I understand it, we've lost more than almost any other state in farmland and are projected to lose almost more than any other state in the union. That is correct. In 2020, the American Farmland Trust, and that's a national nonprofit that advocates for the preservation of farmland across the country, they looked at farmland loss between 2001 and 2016. They found that North Carolina lost 732,000 acres of ag land during that period, and that was the second most out of all the states in the country. They released a more recent report. It looked at farmland loss over the next 20 years to the year 2040, and they projected, based on all three models, that North Carolina would lose the second most number of acres out of all the states. And here is the real concerning part of that. In their worst-case scenario model, we would be projected to lose over 1.6 million acres of farmland. And just to give you an idea of how big that is, the entire state of Delaware is 1.5 million acres. As Evan mentioned, this is this is one of uh, Commissioner Troxler's pets, if you will, and it, the, whole, the entire project. You know, year, years ago, the department was not involved in this in any manner that I'm aware of. Is somewhat of, continued to evolve into a stronger and stronger program. Evan will have to share the numbers, but in the last five years, uh, is, there's a, a fairly good size amount of land that has been preserved using these programs. The thing about it is, and let's let the expert tell us, but most conservation easements are permanent easements. But they have figured out a way to make it not quite as permanent in the event as you, you, know, you, you hand land down to future generations. You know, things change, family changes, the family to dynamic changes. And so they've got a way that they can actually do a temporary. I say temporary, it's not permanent. Yes, sir, that's correct. We do offer perpetual and term-limited conservation easements. 
Now, I will say that the overwhelming majority of the landowners that participate in this program go with a perpetual easement. And there's a couple reasons for that. One, the potential for the purchase of development rights, the cash considerations are much higher than a term limited easement. Also, there are tax incentives with perpetual easements where there are not with term limited. I think on the spectrum of conservation easements, we have one of the most flexible and most landowner friendly. These easements remain in private ownership. So the owners still own the land. They can sell it. They can transfer it. Their heirs can inherit it. But they really don't see any big functional difference if they are farming it as they are now. There's going to be restrictions like subdivision and obviously no commercial or additional residential development. We want to keep the land productive for the current and future ag and forestry uses. So I think there's a lot of great programmatic incentives for landowners, and really most go towards that perpetual conservation easement. Do you have more applications than you're able to grant? Fortunately, with the non-recurring funding and some unused funds, there are projects that come in under budget, so we're able to roll those over into new projects. We were actually able to allocate all of the available funding to all of the eligible applications the past two years. We also work extensively with the military on compatible use projects, and so we're able to move some of that funding to those projects as well. So we were really able to uh, achieve a lot of goals these past two years. Evan, how many acres over the last of the lifetime of this program so far have gone under conservation? In July, we crossed the 30,000-acre mark, and that was since the development of the trust fund in 2005. Last calendar year, we preserved over 7,800 acres in just that year, and that was actually more than double the previous high for a single calendar year. So our accomplishments are – we're very proud of those, and they're continuing to increase. You have to work with the applications you get, but are there particular areas that are of greater concern or target areas? I think there is. And the American Farmland Trust found that one of the most effective tools for slowing down farmland loss by containing some of that sprawl is to create these types of working lands communities that have large blocks of protected land. Uh, Besides being a sprawl management tool, they are most effective when they are coordinated with other planning efforts and other tools like voluntary ag districts. By keeping these big blocks together, uh, they're able to provide more areas for long-term agricultural viability. So if we think about the important ag infrastructure that's needed for these operations to be profitable in the future, like veterinarians, packing houses, grain elevators, they're more likely to succeed in these areas of concentrated farmland preservation. And these are going to be spread out across the state because there's all different types of ag operations. There's all types of different development pressure across the state. So we want to be able to spread these agricultural growth zones all across the state. Any situation where there is money or a credit or a benefit coming to an individual farmer from the government, there's always a pretty good amount of paperwork. Tell me it's not onerous. Well, this is a real estate process. These easements are notated on the deed, and because the 
overwhelming majority of our landowners are compensated for the purchase of the development rights, there are uh, some inputs that are required. After the deadlines, we will review all of the applications, ensure that they are eligible. And every eligible application will receive an on-site farm visit by our staff. During those site visits, we're able to confirm the information in the application. We then take that information and we will review those as a staff and we will make a uh, recommendation to the commissioner and the trust fund advisory committee for funding. Evan Davis, the North Carolina Farmland Preservation Director. Thanks for joining us on Ag at NC. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Evan. Next week, we close the program as we normally do with a comparison of commodity prices week over week. But it's been an off couple of weeks in North Carolina. So for this week, that's Ag and NC. Subscribe to our longer free podcast version on Apple or Spotify or download the IBX Media app. Details on all that and links on our web. Details on all that and links to our sponsors on our website, agandnc.com. Thanks to Ag Carolina Farm Credit. First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Agriculture in North Carolina, copyright 2024, Interbanks Media. For Jeff Turner and myself, Dan Miller, we wish you a fabulous 2024. Chat again next week.